Good evening, everybody, and thank you for attending the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Tonight, we're going to be studying uh, some skills and tactics regarding outreach. Uh, we're going to be studying how to uh, build community <laughs> coalitions, outreach with local groups, and even covering a little bit of uh, international outreach tactics. So what we're going to be learning in this class is we're going to be learning about the different forms of political outreach and why we do them. We're gonna talk about a couple of the different methods that are used in political outreach and the differences depending on their form. And we're gonna uh, learn how to conduct ourselves when engaging in outreach because this is very professional work. And so this isn't just like reaching out to your friend or something. Um, you need to be really professional when you're doing this. So outreach itself means simply the act of reaching out. That can be with a service or a message or an offer, et cetera. But politically, which is what we're talking about, this could be reaching out to the masses, to other organizations, or even to those in power on certain occasions, either by directly contacting them or via propaganda. And there are different forms of political outreach that we're going to be talking about. So the first section that we're going to be talking about is community outreach, which is reaching out to your local community members with a call to action or a survey or to recruit them into your organization. Then we're gonna talk later about coalition outreach. Uh, that's kind of the same sort of local thing, but this is connecting your organization with other political organizations that you might like to work with or stand in solidarity with. And that's really important in the work that we do uh, when we're coalition building. And then the last section, uh, which is a much bigger and much more uh, impactful task, that we're going to be talking about is international outreach. Uh, when the party or organization you're with is making connections with other parties and organizations around the world that you'd like to work with or send greetings to. Uh, so without further ado, I'll go ahead and get started on what is community outreach. So community outreach is reaching out to the masses in your community. This could be for a variety of things, and propaganda will play a critical role in much of your outreach. So here are a few different instances of what community outreach would be. Uh, the first one is rallying community members to a call for action. So this could be for a strike. This could be for a demonstration, a campaign, an election, etc. Just anything that is an action that you're trying to get people out for. This will require posting propaganda for your call to action in places where many community members will see it, both in the community itself and in online spaces where community members gather. So bulletin boards, you know, we pasting posters, going into relevant Facebook groups or whatever, uh, wherever your community members gather is where you'll want to go ahead and post that stuff up. And once community members are interested, you need to keep in communication with them. You need to interact professionally and respectfully with them. You need to keep them posted on any updates uh, that they need to know about on the effort and try to keep the motivation going because a lack of communication, rudeness or inappropriate behavior, failing to give updates on the effort and burnout will all work to the detriment of what you're doing uh, and you wanna be successful. Um, what I put over here is I put out one of those get out the vote pens. This is a common example of, of what bourgeois parties do in terms of their community outreach. They do the get out the vote campaigns, um, which, you know, we're not a bourgeois uh, party, but, this is still something that I used as an example to go ahead and show you, you know, what we commonly see as community outreach. 
Here's another example, surveying the opinion of the people in your community on an issue. This may be on rent costs or labor struggles or on the issue of homelessness or on any specific event that happened or policy enacted in your, in your community. Uh, this could be through an actual survey with questions to answer or by interviewing people for a publication or a documentary. This can be important for a campaign you're waging on an issue or to use to agitate the masses more on an issue. Many working class people don't always have a voice for themselves, so we should give them one. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of the uh, bourgeois publications aren't going to elevate their working class stories. Um, they're just going to go ahead and write for the business owners, uh, if anybody. And then when doing this, be professional and understanding. Don't force an opinion out of somebody and don't show up to an event uninvited to start interviewing people or passing out a survey. Uh, and we're going to talk about more on working with event hosts and coalition outreach. And I put over here uh, one of the things that we read often uh, as communists to look at how we would do this is Workers' Correspondence by, by William F. Dunn. And so that's an excellent book to reference uh, for this if you want to learn more about how to do that. And then another way that you can do the community outreach is by establishing your organization in the community and then recruiting community members to your organization. By first establishing your organization in the community through events, tabling, propaganda, and by generally having a presence there, you can then easily recruit members from the community into your organization. Of course, this can be through getting folks to sign up on a sign-up sheet when you're tabling, but this can also be through the use of propaganda that invites people to join your organization with the phrase like, want to stop blank, you know, whatever, war, hunger, whatever, join whatever your organization is. Uh, you know, for a lot of us, it would be the PCUSA or it might be a mass org or what have you, or something along the lines of the classic, we want you poster. If you know the Uncle Sam poster that they use for the military. Um and then once people are interested in joining, again, you're going to have to keep in communication with them, all the same as for a call to action. And you should take some time when it's possible to talk to the people you recruit and bond with them as a comrade. It is important to remember that comrade does not equal friend, and you will certainly not agree with every community member. But it is the work that you're doing that matters. Be respectful and be professional. And on the side, I also have an example of what at the people's school we use for this to invite people to our school, we have a flyer like this. Um, the PCUSA has some similar flyers like that. Uh, so that's uh, another way that you can do community outreach. These forms of community outreach can and should be used in tandem with each other, but you should strategize when and how to do so. Um, you probably you probably shouldn't go with them all at once, you know, trying to do a call to action uh, and a survey and a recruitment. Um, but, you know, if you're tabling, maybe you do have all those things together. You just need to be smart and strategize about uh, what you're doing. Uh, first of all, wanted to give an example on what it means to know how to strategize when to use any one of these formats for community outreach, whether locally domestically, nationwide, or internationally. To use as an example of what I've, so far, what I have done so far and experience what that has taught me. Um, first of all, I'm going to say the part of town I live in, in Orange County, is is what 
one would like to call a hyper um, capitalist, um, ultra fascist um, kind of sector. So from my experience, at least going by yourself in the community that is extremely more hostile is not a good idea. It's best to really go together as a group, as a group more than like, if you can, if I would recommend like at most 20 to like 30 people, because typically the way people that are hostile are, um, they're not going to want to mess with 20 or 30 of you. And that's been on the rise. So if you live in Orange County, really would recommend that you don't, it's not like you can be as open about it in Orange County. That means Huntington Beach, cities like Costa Mesa, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, secondly, um, keeping in touch with comrades, when you start working with them, you don't just blow them off. If they, anybody wants to know updates on how it's going, what's gotten done, that's a must. So seconds. I've done what I can to uh, demonstrate that. Thank you. All right. A few years ago, a few years ago, when I was just getting into the activism scene, I did experience an example of uh, surveying the local community about which issues uh, they are most concerned about. This was not a Marxist organization by any means, but uh, even they knew that it's important to go around the neighborhood and uh, open-endedly ask uh, questions about uh, what sorts of issues they're most uh, worried about. And open-endedly is uh, indeed uh, something that needs to be emphasized because you can't, you can't push questions. You can't, uh, you, you can't try to persuade somebody to say something that they may not necessarily agree with. And this is something you learn in sociology class when it comes to taking surveys. People want to be helpful a lot of the time. Uh, they want to be friendly to you. And so if you give them a suggestion, uh, they're likely to go along with that suggestion just to uh, be agreeable. That's not what we're looking for. Yeah, I've got a question about how when asking people whether we're recruiting them to a mass org or the party proper, I guess I'm meaning specifically like a mass org. So mass orgs uh, or even like the people's school are intended as places that are, you don't have to be ideologically aligned as a Marxist Leninist. So to put it to a question is like, when do you actually bring up the, the big C word? Like, should it be a front-ended thing where you just come straight out and say, hey, here's this great mass org that is affiliated with a communist organization? Or do you say, hey, here's this mass org that does all this great work, yada, yada, yada. It's also affiliated with a communist organization. Because I know that we aren't supposed to make it a secret is one thing that I, I've had to learn is it's not like cloak and dagger as far as what your intentions are. Um, any sort of answer I'll, uh, would be much appreciated. Thank you. Okay, very simple. Our aim is not to do what, what the comrade just said. 
uh, we don't say this is so-and-so affiliated with so-and-so. No, that's not our job. Our job is to go with the, as Mao said very clearly, where the people are at. And Lenin said the same thing, by the way. Remember, the slogans were peace, land, and bread, not socialism. Peace, land, and bread. That's where the people were at. They were at wanting to get rid of the war, World War I. Um, they wanted land because it was owned by the um, a few landowners. And they wanted bread because they were starving. So you go to where the people are at. And you don't have to mention at all anything else. People will learn. What I've found out is when I was in my school as a union delegate in my school when I was working, what they were interested in, that's where I went to the union, to the meetings in Manhattan, and I brought back what the problems in my school were. That's what I did. Um, as I worked, I would make friends with individual people. Those people, I would eventually get closer to me. And I would act, open up to some of those. So out of the 100 teachers in my school, only two knew I was a communist. And I was so close with them that they weren't going to blabber it to anybody else because they knew that tactically it was not a good thing. And those two people, I wasn't with them long enough to recruit them into the party, but I, I worked with them. Thank you. I don't know if that's a little help. Well, mass organizations are important for bringing the most advanced segments of the working class into the party. They are also necessary in their own right. Uh, mass organizations are a weapon. They are a weapon that the party can use in class warfare, essentially, against the bourgeoisie. Uh, and so membership within mass orgs is necessary for the mass orgs' own sake, not simply to grow the party, but also so that we can effectively use that mass organization. Because there are people who, the fact of the matter is, there are always going to people who don't ideologically agree with communism. And ultimately, changing people's minds comes from changing material conditions rather than prolonged debate and uh, ideological discussion. And so we win people over to our side by winning material victories. And that is something that we can use mass organizations for. Uh, and so that's the only thing I would add on that. I would say that the mass orgs are absolutely a, a safe way for our comrades in different areas to organize without fear of repercussion. But I would say here in California, where I'm at, uh, we as Marxist-Leninists need to be more vocal about our ideology and our position in order to make our actions through the mass orgs synonymous with Marxism-Leninism. You know, uh, I think that for too long, uh, McCarthyism and red baiting has kept us in the dark and the more that we stand out vocally and through action, we will find a better reception to who we are uh, in the United States. That's it for me. Yeah, so it was an excellent question, which was proposed, proposed by the comrade earlier, is how do I engage somebody? I can't say the word communist. What we did here locally 
in San Diego with the trade union work, because you can't just go around and be like, hi, I'm a communist, is we, with one mass organization, talking about the school, we brought in another mass organization. So we did not give them communist material. We gave them labor today. So what you could do is instead of just being like, oh, hello, I'm a communist, just give them labor today material or give them another mass org material. And that way you're not just, you know, throwing communism all over them. Thank you. Uh, mostly piggyback, but uh, like I think of, there's been instances I've ran into, um, like with people within the left where I don't want to like uh, patronize them, like they're going to, you know, know it's a mass org for one thing or another because they've been involved in similar type uh, scenarios. But uh, like my experience is mainly in uh, like union organizing. And trying to not drop the, the U word, at least when it's an unorganized um, workplace, as long as possible. Um, but uh, there's certain like uh, thresholds uh, where I think uh, uh, I don't want to like uh, yeah like talk to people like they're stupid if they're like and if there are they're like trying to come at it in a negative way like you're just trying to front like then that's probably not someone uh, we're gonna recruit anyway. Um, so I don't, I don't know maybe more feedback than that, I guess, would be a question for me, but uh, yeah, yeah, like just the, the threshold on where does it become a, a patronizing thing where we're not going to deny it. Two things real quick. Um, on the, you know, whether to be overtly communist or not, um, it all really comes down to time and place, uh, and, and specifically if you are, you know, talking with an individual that you're bringing in, it depends on the development of your relationship with them um, politically. Uh, if you've been able to have conversations with them to the to the side and you've been able to drift into talking about maybe Cuba or Ukraine or whatever, you think that they're maybe closer to the point where they uh, won't react in a certain way to saying communist. Go ahead and bring it up and see if they can uh, come in. I would suggest bringing somebody to the school before you suggest the party to them just so that they can get kind of immersed in that environment more. Um, but, you know. Obviously, like comrades have said, if you're in a super reactionary area that's not prepared for you to be overtly communist, uh, go as a mass org. Um, and uh, another thing, too, is the mass orgs are important for the different uh, specific struggles that they serve. You know, uh, they're ones that serve women. So in a you know a reproductive rights rally, you'll want to bring up the mass org for women. Uh, it, there's an org that serves labor. So if you're, you know, going into a, a place that has a lot of, you know, unionizing efforts or there's a labor struggle, you'll want to bring up the labor mass org. Um, and so it's even better than bringing up the the party or the people's school, even if it, the red baiting wasn't a thing. And then really quickly, the other thing that I just wanted to add is we did uh, food and literature distribution drives in Coos Bay, but I want to warn people, uh, tabling might be a problem if you don't have the resources to keep up with it. Um, so you need to be careful about your capability and your resources before you go out and try to do anything like this. Um, if you're able to, then go ahead and do it because it'll be a great way to get your name out there. But just look at where you're at is just what I'm saying. All right, so the next part is on coalition outreach. So what is coalition outreach? Coalition outreach is organization to organization coordination. Coalition building is a key part of political work and has its own forms of outreach. It involves thorough communication with the organizations you want to work with and a disciplined manner of doing it. 
And here are a few key points on how you go about coalition outreach. So initially, you want to reach out to the leaders of an organization you're interested in working with. You give them a brief introduction of yourself and your organization and how you'd like to work with them. This needs to be done professionally and respectfully and should be an act of extending an olive branch and trying to build a relationship. This may be in person at an event or forum or at their office if they have one, or it may be done through online or telephone communication. You will have to be considerate of their time and availability and understanding if they can't talk to you that very moment or if it's not the time or place for it. So if you go to an event that an organization you want to work with is holding, um, you know, if you try to talk to the leaders right in the middle of the event and they're trying to do something, you're going to have to be understanding of that and try later. Um, it's happened to me multiple times. You go to an event and it's just not the right time to uh, try to connect with the leaders. There will be there will be a time for it. So just be cautious about that. Um, once you've established contact, you will need to keep in communication with them and support them in the causes you'd like to build a coalition with them about. This will build your relationship with them and establish your organization as an ally with them. And I put over here an example. Uh, most organizations have a page with either contact information or a form to contact that org. The example I took is from the PCUSA. They have a contact slash join thing. So if you were really trying to get in touch with them, um, that would be you know one way. Um, but usually uh, organizations have some sort, sort of email or phone number that you can uh, Call. Sometimes it might just be an organization that has a Facebook page you can message, and that's all it is. But, you know, you use whatever form of communication you can access. Uh, so the key points continued. In your work with other organizations, you should stick to the subject at hand. If you're working with a shop that's trying to unionize, you probably shouldn't bring up issues of war and peace. You shouldn't be bringing up something like Ukraine uh, when there's a labor struggle. Uh, if you're trying to build a coalition with a group opposing police brutality and systemic racism, you should probably avoid talking about climate change and environmental policies. Um, that's not the issue that you're trying to build a coalition with them about. Uh, if you're working with an LGBT plus pride organization, you probably want to leave a conversation about the problems of rural America at the door. Uh, unless another issue ties in and is directly related to the subject at hand, avoid bringing it up. It's not worth risking your coalition with that organization. And so just as an example, real quick of that, if you do go to a, you know, event where there's a group opposing police brutality and systemic racism and say they bring up how that is intersectional with climate change and environmental policies, go ahead and, and, and talk about it. They brought it up. It's relating to what they're talking about. If you're working with an LGBT plus pride organization, in a rural area, it might be a good time to bring up the problems of rural America and talk about that. But it should be related to what the subject is. And, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be your soapbox for uh, talking about a different issue. And then it helps to appoint a person within your organization as representative from your organization to the other. If that person or, or that person should preferably be someone who shares in whatever struggle the two orgs want to unite on. And especially if that person already has experience with that organization and knows the people there. If there are pre-existing relationships, build upon them. So if you uh, say there's a 
women's organization that you want to uh, work with. Having a woman as representative is probably one of the you know best people that you can appoint to that position because they share in that struggle. Uh, and especially, you know, if you came into uh, the party or whatever mass org and you have, you know, a relationship with a environmental group from before, go ahead and build on that relationship. Um, you know, it, because nobody else, uh, you know, has that experience with those organizations, but you do. Uh, so you can use that. Uh, the representative should try to attend most public meetings of the other organization and convey any information that needs to be conveyed between the orgs and bring back whatever necessary information to report. And, you know, I, I think most organizations do their meetings uh, online, but if that's a local organization that you're trying to work with, you might have to go to whatever in-person meetings they have and, and set aside a time for it. Uh, but it's going to be very necessary to building your coalition. Uh, when the organization you're working with has an important event, like a Congress or a conference, have your org write up a greeting to send to the organization that acknowledges the work they do, congratulates them on that work and on their event, reiterates your organization's support for them, and thanks them for the relationship your two organizations share. And that's important because you want to build a sort of uh, relationship like that, kind of almost a fraternal relationship where you're able to go, look, uh, there's a reason that we're working together. And I think what you're doing is great. And, you know, we hope that what we're doing is great to you. And we're glad to have this kind of relationship uh, as organizations. Uh, you want to share the relevant content of the organization you're allied with and boost their campaigns. If possible, work with them to make their campaigns a joint effort between your two organizations. That way you can make coalition propaganda that strengthens your allyship with them. And when you have more than two organizations in your coalition, work with all of them to try to facilitate a meeting of the organizations involved and instigate inter-organizational coalition communication so that you're all on the same page. And can use your different organizations' strengths and weaknesses to your collective advantage in the struggle that you share with them. Um, because ultimately, if you're coalition building, um, making sure that it's actually structured, uh, you know, that it's disciplined and organized and all the organizations involved are putting in their, you know, best efforts uh, where they're needed, um, that, that's really good. And so you should try to make sure that you do that. I can't say that I've experienced uh, coalition building. I do work uh, on uh, Fridays at a community pantry. All right. So in terms of building coalition, um, what I've noticed and experienced in doing that is it's really a good idea to always um, give congratulatory um notifications to groups because if you can name specifically what they've done um it's not always a good thing but it helps to because they they see that you're paying attention they see that you're listening and you're following them and you're not just unintuned so that helps um also when you're trying to establish work with them being considerate that they have other things to do and they can't talk to you always every day. Um, what I've noticed is put forth like a two-way thing. 
for an eventual agreed upon set days to work with them. That's what helps has helped me before. Thank you. I had a quick question, and I guess it also relates to the scale of the um, coalition. Can somebody put some perspective or or some clarification on like the American Black Panther starting the, I don't know if it was specifically pancakes, but it was like breakfast and stuff. Does anyone have any knowledge if like they called the education boards, like we want to feed kids for free? Does that, is that a form of coalition, at least historically? Could somebody clarify? Thank you. That was more of a form of a community outreach. A better example of coalition building would be the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, that, that would be a better example from the Black Panther Party, which I think that that's something that is worth studying in depth for any communist. Uh, we may not adhere to the BPP ideologically. Uh, they weren't strictly Marxist-Leninists. Uh, that's a different class, though. But the Rainbow Coalition is something that's definitely worth learning from. Yes. All right. So I am so glad you brought up the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, Comrade Fred Hampton, uh, deputy chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panthers, said that, uh, you know what I mean? He brought these different organizations by spreading simply class consciousness. He spread the understanding that you, you and you individually have something in common that brings you together, right? And uh, Hugh P. Newton, actually, if none of you comrades know, he had an autobiography published in the 70s uh, in which he states clearly that he is a Marxist-Leninist and that he is influenced by Marxist-Leninist leaders throughout history. It's actually what uh, I was in juvenile hall uh, doing time for arson street terrorism uh, something I got in my early years for participating in a black block on May, right? So their reactionary tendencies put me into jail. I got a six to nine year sentence and I read uh, Huey P. Newton's autobiography, Revolutionary Suicide. I would absolutely uh, encourage every comrade on this class to find it and read it. It was very influential to me and I joined the Youth League of the CPUSA uh, from that time, but yeah, no. So the uh, the breakfast, uh, the free breakfast program was not only just to uh, have an opportunity for them to offer assistance to families within Oakland that obviously needed the help, but it was a you know something that Fred Hampton also said was important: an opportunity to offer education and offer guidance to a community that had reactionary energy that needed to be guided into revolutionary energy and you as Marxist Leninists should all take that into account and you know take every opportunity to uh, offer education and offer guidance and through your own actions you know what I mean you will become you know a viable revolutionary alternative to the status quo within your community. I just wanted to briefly talk about how in I believe October in the Bay Area in California we went to an event with UNAC which is the United National Anti-War Coalition prior to that we met on Zoom a couple of times and we had a really good turnout and hope to work with them more but 
it was a good example of having to curate what you're saying to not bend them and get to keep working with them, you know, not bring up Russia or anything. That's all. Yeah, so um, as far as coalition building on um, in my area, well, I, I as I've said before, I'm I'm in a tenant union, but I'm I've been working with some other groups trying to build um, um, forming a coalition to build a homeless union. Since in my in my city, or there's a couple uh, factors at play. First, there's a a large population of um, formerly incarcerated people who get discriminated against, you know, by landlords. Uh, so there's a large homeless population from that. And then also my city is trying to cut the little public housing that it has in it, which houses a couple hundred people, which I suspect will lead to um greater homelessness in the city. So um, yeah, that's a coalition um, that I'm working with these groups to try and um, to try and form. I've already built relationships with these organizations. I had one of them even um, uh, gave a, a speech at the MPD Congress, so. Yeah, so I wanted to go ahead and give an example of coalition building uh, that we've been uh, involved in before. When we were in Coos Bay, Oregon, we were working with an LGBT plus pride organization, Southern Oregon Coast Pride, and we built a coalition with them, uh, with our local mass org chapter. Uh, and then we embarked on a joint uh, campaign. It was a joint effort to deplatform a fascist from air. Uh, the fascist's name is Rob Taylor. He's a transphobic uh really violent uh, fascist that was on the radio. And so we united with them uh, to try to get the radio station to take him off air. Uh, we, it ended up getting tossed to the back burner for both of our organizations because uh, our capacities just couldn't keep it going at that time. But that being said, um, when that work was going on, it was focusing only on Rob Taylor uh, and taking him off air. You know, we weren't bringing the war in Ukraine into it. We weren't bringing labor struggles into it. We weren't bringing uh, police brutality issues into it. It was only about getting that fascist off air. Um, and we've done other work uh, organizing with like women's organizations that were in our area when Roe versus Wade got overturned. Uh, you know, when that happened, we didn't talk about other issues. We talked about the issue at hand and we worked with them to build a coalition on that and try to get some of the uh, people that weren't in one of the organizations yet to get into our organization. Um, so that's just the example that I had. Yeah, I just want to emphasize uh, what I just said. Um, you know, in the midst of uh, COVID-19, we saw a lot of tenants unions uh, forming. Um, this is where we see a lot of um, bridges that we can build as Marxist-Leninists. We see that that's how we should be organizing with, if that's the narrative that's kind of taking the, the nation. Uh, so that's what I've done in um, Kansas City as well with the Kansas City Tenants Union and uh, Kansas City Homeless Union. Um, and it was kind of nice to hear from um, the Kansas City uh, uh, Homeless Union that, well, um, really it's only been MPD that's been um, connecting with, with us. 
Um, and it's just me so far in Kansas City. So um, it's worth just going out there um, just as a as the movement if it's just you. Uh, try to go with some other people if you can, though, please. There is one group that I would say is not worth even attempting to build a coalition with, um, and that would be anarchists. Uh, other groups are worth working with, even if they're not ideologically aligned with us. However, as Comrade Stalin said, anarchists are real enemies of socialism. Uh, they are as much our enemies as capitalists are. They undermine our efforts. They attack us. And look at what they have done historically. In the Soviet Union, they undermined the Bolsheviks and sabotaged them during a 14-way invasion and civil war against the Tsarists. And then throughout the 1920s, committed political terrorism and industrial sabotage. People died because of them. In Catalonia, they ended up being a detriment to the war against the fascists. In every single instance where there has been a revolutionary situation, anarchists have been our enemies. If we look in California, we had our, uh, we had tried to attend an anarchist event in good faith, uh, trying to work with them and they attacked us. They destroyed our property and uh, they ended up making a huge scene. Uh, and so every other group, basically, as long as they're not explicitly fascist, basically, and as long as uh, they have some level of working class participation is worth working with, anarchists are not. Uh, they are not worth building a coalition with. So like I said before, uh, when we were looking at the three forms, this is probably the most impactful because it impacts uh, literally what happens to life on the planet. What is international outreach? International outreach is fostering connections internationally with foreign parties or organizations. This can be situationally, working to support an organization for a time such as against fascism or imperialism, or just generally working to build an international coalition of organizations, such as the International Communist Movement. Uh, here's some ways in which that can be accomplished. Someone in your organization is given the role of being an international secretary or something of that nature. It might not be called that uh, depending on what organization you're in. They will reach out to the offices of the foreign organizations and will begin conversations with the corresponding members of that organization and will then try to facilitate a meeting of the two organizations to greet each other, discuss their relationship and how they would like to work with each other. In a way, it is much like coalition outreach, but instead of being on a domestic local level, it is on a global scale, which makes it more logistically difficult, but somewhat more impactful. There are many times language barriers, time zone differences, internet access issues, and more that must be overcome to do it. And as an example of a famous communist who filled uh, this role as Minister of Foreign Affairs of the USSR, I added a picture of uh, Molotov from the USSR. And so that's a famous person that filled that role. And of course, uh, we remember uh, we did a class in August on the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, and we've talked about Molotov before. So that's a great example of somebody who helped to build up the international communist movement at that time and also helped situationally to support uh, certain countries against fascism uh, and imperialism. So the next part, uh, when you're doing international outreach, a member speaks a member who speaks a foreign language and can translate between the two organizations may be asked to fill the role of a translator 
ultimately, comrades, learning foreign languages helps us tremendously in this regard. Uh, so, you know, somebody that speaks Spanish is probably going to be uh, tapped to speak to people in Latin American countries. Somebody who's able to speak Russian is probably going to be tapped to speak to Russia and the different Slavic countries. Uh, somebody, you know, who speaks a very specific language, say somebody's an immigrant from a place like China or Korea, is probably going to be really good to be able to talk to uh, the comrades from over there. So bilingual uh, education is really good for us because it'll help us in our international outreach, uh, much like in coalition outreach. It is good to send greetings to the congresses and conferences of foreign organizations. Sometimes a group of representatives makes the international trip to a foreign event to give their remarks and stand in solidarity. Sometimes all an organization can afford to do at the time is send a written greeting, all of which can be compiled and published, which establishes the credibility of that organization internationally. And as an example, I put on the International Greetings of the Second Congress of the PCUSA, just to cover, right? To put in a whole bunch of greetings would have took up a whole bunch of space. Uh, but in that, we have, uh, I forget the number, but it, it's probably dozens of greetings from different organizations all around the world to our Second Congress. That's a, that's an example of that. And we went ahead and compiled that and have that to show our credibility uh, internationally. And we've also sent our members abroad to different international events. Uh, one of those earlier this year was to Western Sahara, uh, which you know is kind of a remote location. It was in Algeria. And so uh, to put forth that effort to actually physically send comrades overseas to this uh, event uh, helped to build our credibility. And then with international outreach, it's done again, like everything else, but especially with this, with the utmost respect and professionalism. Conversations are to the point, appropriate, and the results are incredibly significant. These are meetings that can ultimately influence politics all over the planet Earth. International outreach is not usually something you do with a local org in your community. It is mostly done in nationwide organizations that wanna connect with foreign groups. With that said, the same tactics used in community outreach won't be the same used in international outreach. And I put that there because if you have regional organization, like you have a chapter, you have something that's, you know, not a chapter of a national organization, but it's just, you know, some sort of regional org, um, you know, unless there's a specific reason to do it, a specific, like you're trying to relate your struggles to, uh, someone else's in a different part of the world, you probably shouldn't be reaching out to foreign organizations trying to build a coalition between your regional org and them. Um, you should focus on the people in this country and then let whatever nationwide organization uh, handle the international outreach. Uh, so that's that's what I had for that section. Hey, comrades. Um, I just kind of want to make a statement in regards to how sometimes your outreach efforts can uh, be a medium or uh, be something in which uh, something that can help foster the relationship or at least uh, begin to develop a relationship between some of these organizations. Just for example, uh, an organization I belong to in Long Beach 
started propping up uh, hand washing stations for the unhoused population down in Long Beach and some uh, publications from France, I believe, got a hold of it. Some housing organizations saw what we were doing and they, um, you know, we set up our Zoom, a Zoom uh, meeting with uh, one of their reporter journalists and they wrote up a nice little story about what we were doing and how we were, um, you know, contributing to the struggle. So, I don't know, sometimes if you were creative enough and um, just able to integrate different kinds of outreach, it can really help develop those uh, yeah, another thing when you're doing international outreach is um, you want to be cognizant of any sort of social or cultural norms uh, which are different because there are a lot of things that we might do here without a second thought that would be considered very um, gauche or even rude in other locations. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, for example, when I was in the uh, refugee camps in the uh, Algeria, um, one thing is I'm left-handed, and it's considered a very strange thing to do to eat with your left hand there. So I had to keep, you know, always, I'd always, you know, prevent myself from using my left hand to eat. So it's just stuff like that. You don't even think of it, but it's very important. Yeah, this is going back on a, a topic I, I feel like you passed acting within our uh, own coalition. So within the, in California, uh, our example is the United National Anti-War Committee or Council, right? Well, uh, the Harry Bridges and Greg Rosell both have put in, you know, exemplary, exemplary work, you know what I mean? As far as becoming uh, a part of this coalition and, you know, setting the example and leading within this coalition. So, you know, and we are all open as Bolsheviks, as Marxist-Leninists, and the reception we have found is, you know, you know, it's quite eye-opening. It's quite, you know, receptive, and I think that the rest of the party should follow this line. And also, while I still have time, I would also say that. Yeah. Uh, so just to go ahead and give my answer to the question uh, of how might the international outreach look differently in different situations. So I had brought up that it may be different uh, depending on whether or not you're trying to build like a permanent relationship uh, with an organization or whether you're just temporarily trying to. Uh, think of the example of World War II and the big three, the United States, United Kingdom, and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Um, they made a temporary relationship to go ahead and overcome fascism. Um, but of course, two of that countries were still imperialist. And uh, after that war was over, uh, mostly due to their own inability to accept that there is a socialist country that was nearly as powerful as they were on the other side of the world. Uh, that relationship just kind of went away. And of course, they went back to their own uh, problems with each other. But it might not be even that necessarily. Think about the different countries around the world that are in danger because of U.S. imperialism that we might unite with uh, for now against U.S. imperialism that we might not fully agree with later. Uh, but then there's something like trying to build an international communist movement and build permanent ties, or when countries have uh, permanent diplomatic relations with each other. Uh, so it might look different uh, depending on uh, that situation. You might uh, let them know up front 
that, you know, this is only a temporary relationship because you both have a common obstacle to overcome, or you might let them know, hey, we'd like to go ahead and have this permanent relationship that we can build upon and know that we have you as an ally to uh, look for when we need help. Yeah, uh, so it came to my mind that some people may not have started uh, outreach uh, in their communities yet, which is okay. Um, but when you want to start that, I would start with community outreach, uh, trying to do some sort of tabling event or, you know, have a presence at some event or host one with whatever members that you have that you could uh, get together in your area and, you know, get your organization's name out there. So one of the mass works of the party have one of the flags or whatever, go ahead and get your name out there and uh, try to uh, basically attract people uh, just with your presence at first, I would say. Um, it's it's good to go ahead and do a little bit of the coalition outreach with that. If there's like a progressive event that's happening in your neighborhood, whether it's on labor issues or the environment or what have you, uh, first off, getting permission uh, before you go there, uh, just as your org. But once you have permission and you spoke with them, uh, meeting people there is also really great because you'll meet progressive people uh, that will kind of share uh, the same sort of thoughts and ideology as you do. And if they don't fully, that's okay because you're trying to work with them on a struggle. Um, but I would, I would generally recommend community outreach. And then uh, once you've started building and consolidating your organization, and you, you think you've got it organized to do so, seconds. go to the coalition outreach and make sure that you put somebody as a representative to these organizations because it could fall through the, the cracks. And if you're not communicating, uh, those coalitions are going to fall through the, the cracks too. Uh, that's what I had to say on that. Just real briefly on the topic of going out and interfacing with the general public, um, at least for me, I always find this to be a very daunting thing to do. So a thing that you could do if you're just starting out is you can start out in sort of friendly territory, if you will. Like you got a left-wing bookstore in your town or something, like talk to the owner, see if they'll let you hang out out front for a little bit or chat up the people in there buying books. Or if you know of like a, uh, uh, like a young communists club in, in a uh, college campus, go and talk to those guys. That sort of thing. You don't have to jump right into the deep end right away. Uh, yeah, so um, we've been talking about, um, you know, community engagement. I, I wanted to relate it on a personal level for people. For me, I didn't feel like I was actually, you know, at home in my city until I started getting involved with uh, community outreach um, and other work. Um, I felt like I was just a guest that was kind of living here, but not actually a part of the community. Um, so just as a, you know, word of encouragement, you know, the more you get involved with uh, community organizations, the more you'll feel like you belong there and that it's your actual home. And just to um, piggyback off of that, um, I grew up in uh, this town, uh, Kansas City. I left for 10 years, uh, came back. I've been here for about two, uh, two years and I never felt more at home 
it's, and you know, that's compared to my 22 years of growing up. Uh, I just wanted to uh, also bring up, um, if you are trying to make a coalition and you're trying to uh, build something, just make a call, make a phone call. Um, I am surprised how uh, effective that is. Um, I think some people might be afraid to do that. Uh, it's not that scary um, because there's just another human there. Um, and, you know, I sometimes uh, fumble on my words, but it, it works out. People are sincere. And I introduce yourself first because sometimes they're um, like expecting like telemarketers marketers or something. So um, just introduce yourself and your mass organization and then uh, say that you're looking for someone um, because uh, sometimes they uh, don't like it when you just bring up there and like, is this like Kyle? And then Kyle's like, what do you? So anyway, uh, that's one thing to bring up. Um, and, uh, you know, if they don't respond back, then just uh, I don't usually text too much because it just it just doesn't work as it's not that effective. But emailing is a little bit better. Um Surprisingly, so old technology, telephones, um, just try to use them. Okay. And from my experience in uh, dealing with others and building uh, relationships, it's very important to respect the opportunity to grow the organization and respect that, that you are trying to improve the uh, standing of not only the working class, but of the, the entire international working class in the work that we're doing. You have to also be cognizant that this isn't the type of work that you can really take, that you can't, that you, ha you have to treat it seriously. And this isn't, you know, a joke and this is something that you have to give your all to and because you know you talk seconds. with other people across the world who are fighting for their lives you know even here you talk with people who are fighting for their lives and so that's why i speak of respect because that's what people are wanting they don't get it it's very important to understand and connect with them on that level. Okay, I just wanted to mention two things that are vitally important in terms of coalition building or working with any group is the first one being punctuality. You know, if you're getting to the event at the time that it's scheduled on the flyer, you're already late. You know, you need to be there at least 30 minutes to one hour beforehand, you know, to not only set up your stuff, but to help them set up their stuff. Little acts like this go a really long way. And another thing, too, is um, keeping your word. If you say, you know, we're going to go to this event and you don't end up showing up, that just doesn't look good for you or the organization you're representing. That's just something that's vitally important that, you know, everybody should keep in mind when trying to work with other groups or even within your own group. You know, if you say you're going to be there, be there. That's all. Yeah, I'm just listening to what people are saying. I'm 76 years old. I've been doing this since I was uh, 16. Can you believe it? All these years. And I started in the, um, my big thing was the Cuban Missile Crisis, okay, in 1961. And that was my first baptism to the movement. 
But the Vietnam War and the struggle against American imperialism in that war was the thing that broke me in. And I've been in this for like, ever since, 62 years, I've been doing this without ever taking a vacation from it. But what I wanted to say to it, what I learned, what did I learn in that? Number one, you have to be respectful. You want people to respect uh, you. We want people to respect communists. But we have to respect them also. It's a two-way street. If we want to get respect, we have to give respect. Number two, responsibility. That's very important. And number three, as Comrade Lennon said, we have to be the best. We have to be the best people in the trade union. We have to be the best people working, those of us who work inside the Democratic Party. We have to be the best communists to do that. Those that are in the peace movement, we have to be the best peace activists, the best tenant organizers. 90 seconds. That's, that's where we are. We have to be the best. And we are, have, can look at ourselves as the vanguard. We're leading this thing. And we are helping others lead it. So we have to look at ourselves as one family. And there's different sections of the family. Some are more active than others. But we're all part of one family. And it's a family, uh, as Comrade Lenin called it, we are the military command. We are the command of the working class. That's our job. That's what Comrade Lenin said. So we have to look at it that we're part of an army. And that's why Lenin told us to, to belong to organizations, specifically to Vanguard organizations. So this has to look at, this is our whole life. This is who we are. You can see behind me, if you could see, I have Lenin and Marx. They have been the guiding force. They're my GPO. Is that what they call it, a GPO? I think that's what they call it. Um, they, are, they are the ones that uh, lead me in a direction of where I'm going with my life. And I was in the old Communist Party for 43 years. Okay? The party that I was a member of, Gus Hall and Henry Winston, no longer exist. That party, unfortunately, was murdered. Three minutes. By certain elements. And so now we have this group that's working, the PCUSA. And it's really that simple. We're hoping that this could be the permanent thing, but there could be another one coming in the future. Who knows? But we have to remain loyal to our class. Class is everything. Everything else is secondary. Class is everything. Uh, thank everybody for coming. Um, I have a few things that I would like to say on what uh, that I didn't quite get a chance to due to the uh, great discussion that happened. Uh, the first thing would be uh, surveying your local community. This is a form of outreach that I think is underutilized uh, because we are dialectical materialists. How can we apply dialectical materialism without understanding the material landscape thoroughly? Uh, that requires understanding our communities, understanding the working class in our areas, understanding what is important to them, where their ideology is, and where they are at. Uh, and so we really need to uh, conduct some real on-the-ground research. Uh, th this is something that is incredibly vital in order to create strategy and uh, define our tactics. Uh, 
the second thing is the importance of coalition building. As Comrade Angelo said, we are an army and each one of us is soldiers. Uh, and we need to approach coalition building with that same amount of discipline and with that same amount of dedication that a soldier would have and approach it with the same level of strategy and tactical thinking. Uh, this is important because human society is a leviathan uh, and we need to be able to affect change in all segments of it. And we need to be able to borrow resources that we may not necessarily have hold of already, which other partner organizations do. They extend our power. They expend our reach. They give us uh, borrowed power and borrowed reach, essentially, that we can use to build ourselves. Uh, they are essential allies in class warfare. Um, and so, yeah, thank everybody for coming and thank you to all of the staff of the PSMLS, which helped make operating these classes possible. Thank you, everybody, and have a great night.